0: Um, Yes, I mean, certainly the the qualification from court to top of the table, but forgetting the monetary side for a moment, I now have a business that I'm proud of, and I don't think I had that before. So I have something now I'm happy to talk to people about, is open and transparent, and I have something I'm really, really pleased with and proud of. That's the best thing for me.
1: I'm Scott Rogers. This is the MDRT Podcast. Today, we're discussing fee-based practices. We talked to a group of members who made the switch to fees due to
0: either necessity, regulation, or to stay ahead of the game. I'm David Braithwaite from Seven Oaks in Kent, UK.
2: I'm Bradley Flick from Sydney, Australia.
1: Matthew
0: Fogarty from Melbourne, Australia.
3: Will Richardson, San Francisco, California.
0: I think that on the the side of commission versus fees, the actual word commission and the fact that it still worked that way is an objection in itself. Um, I think if people think that you are in front of them and that you're doing it for the reason that you're going to get paid because of you recommending a product... That can also be an objection from a client. They just don't always vocalise it. But a lot of the time when we were going out and seeing people and when we converted to fee, a lot of the questions were around, we always wondered how you got paid. We knew you were getting something from it. We never knew what it was. Now there's a lot more transparent, and it actually just feels like a more honest, open, and a clear relationship now compared to the one that we've been used to. So they just embraced it.
3: What was interesting is having the discussion with people a while I used to think, well, I don't want to let somebody know what they're paying for. I just hope that they knew somehow. Or don't ask somebody why they bought something or they might change their mind. I had that mentality. And then when starting to have the conversation of telling people what they're paying for, what they're going to get for it, and also once they've been a client for a while, reminding them all the things we've done over the course of the year, having a a documented process for all the things that – That occurred in keeping their affairs in order, helping them get a good tax person, um, helping them update their estate documents with an attorney, helping them make adjustments to their portfolio to fit their situation, updating their financial plan, looking at their insurance and making sure that they had the proper amounts and that they had the right ownership beneficiaries, et cetera. And as we started to go through that, people might not have remembered, but as we went through it, they were they would feel pretty good about what we'd accomplished together in the last 12 months and then looking ahead what are the things that we're going to help them do over the next 12 months and over the next couple of years so that it never feels overwhelming because what we found if we say we're going to do these 12 things then they don't do anything and if we look at let's do a couple of things this year and let's look at these other two things in six months etc it made people implement things and accomplish far more than they would have had we started with too much on the plate at at once and they then understood what they were paying for and how it was adding value.
0: With us, I think half the conversation about the clients and the fees was actually in our own heads. The difficulty that we had is when we're used to a situation where it's been purely commission-based is making that transition in our own minds to then talk to the clients about it. On the whole, what we found was the biggest problem was between our own ears and not between the clients. The clients themselves didn't necessarily mind the fact that they were going to be paying a fee. Because if you talk to especially a new client or even an existing one in terms of the fees and you say, this is how it's going to be, they're pretty much accepting of it. It's The hardest bit is actually believing that that's the right thing you have to do. So in terms of the clients, when we spoke to them, we row tested a few before we had to make the actual change. The overwhelming response was that, oh, that's better because now it removes the smoke and mirrors. Before when it was commissioned, we'd always wondered how you got paid, but now if it's on a pure fee basis, at least we now know that's what we're going to get charged, that's what you're going to do for me, and it seems much more fair, open, honest, and above all transparent. So we believe now you are looking after our affairs to the best of your abilities, and not necessarily because perhaps company A pays you more than company B, and your motivation is to actually sell us a product. What we find now also is that advice doesn't just stick to product recommendations anymore either. We're charging far more in fees just to help people out. So that could be just finding out what their financial status is by writing to the companies. It could be in writing reports for them or just helping them out. Generally, we are charging more for just doing the stuff that we previously gave away for free in the hope that they would come back to us and that acted as a carrot. And it's only after being on this side of the fence now we realise how much of a different situation that we're in and how much more professional I actually feel because after all you look at attorneys, accountants, they are professionals, they charge fees, that's expected, that is the normal. Well we are now joining that group of people and we're coming up hot on their heels and we are total professionals now.
2: Going back to the full review of the business practice as mentioned before, it allowed us to break out the stage and costing of advice and what each staff member contributes to that. Based on that, we were then able to offer the full service model or a restricted service model for clients who initially weren't comfortable with the fee basis. The process itself allowed us to offer an hourly basis for contract or one-off type of work. The full service model is generally an annual agreed fee for service that we have a fee service agreement that we offer to the clients, the clients that agree, and that's then updated and reviewed every year. And then also there is a fixed dollar model for some of our other clients who just prefer knowing that there's X dollars for this particular project, and then that's it. So those three models are the main ones that we offer. Pretty much I'd say 90% of clients are on the full
1: service model and are happy each year to renew and continue on that basis. I think you've got to prepare yourself from a business perspective. Will, you said you're probably taking a very proactive view rather than a reactive view. Um, and I think we really need to accept that and, and, and get our value proposition to our clients and, and then very clear about the value of the advice we provide to them. And it's just not a product solution. It's, it's actually a, what we actually do for the client, the outcome, that we protect their family, that we ensure that uh, when they're in retirement that they can buy... Um, go on those holidays of their dreams, that they can buy the the birthday presents, Christmas presents for their grandchildren, take them on holidays. They're the things, the fundamental things that we are. Sure, the products are very important. Life insurance, um, extremely important. And um, there is some legislative pressure that's coming through worldwide. And I I don't think it's only restricted to the UK, Australia. The United States, not as fast, but I think I believe it's happening in Canada as well. So it is coming. And um, I think, you know, being on the front foot as opposed to taking a backward foot is a better way to do it. And that segues into a very good point that, that I'll ask you, is um, if I was an, adv- an MDRT member, why would I change, really, if this has not affected me at this point in time, why would I change what currently works for me at this point in time? And I'll, I'll throw it to you, Dave, is that all right?
0: mm. Why change? Well, we, we had to, um, so we had no choice in the matter, but interestingly, I started to make that change before we had to, so that I was already in that space. Why would you want to do it? I just think it's a much more open, honest transaction that you're having with the client, and it changes the conversation and the level of the relationship that you have with them. Instead of, if I'm honest, walking into a room to see a client and then saying, right, I'm trying to fit you into a product, because if I don't, I'm not going to get paid. Now I'm going in there with What is it you want help with? Why are we here? And let's solve their why rather than sell them a product and get paid for the value that we add rather than the product that we sell. And there may well be a product around it, but there doesn't have to be anymore. How much more of an honest relationship is that to have with the client where they actually come to you because they've come to you, you're a financial advisor. What they want is advice. They haven't come to you for a product, but they think they're going to get sold one because otherwise, how are you going to get paid? So it changes the whole dynamic of the relationship and puts it on a much better even keel. So why would you do it? It depends. It's not for everybody. But at some point or another, what we're seeing in the countries that we're looking at here is that transition is starting to happen. That ground is starting to move. So why don't you start trying to make the move now where you've got more resources now than even when I had three years ago? to actually make that change and then you can actually get ahead of the game and I think you'll be surprised as to what actually happens in terms of your productivity and in terms of being scared. People don't like change. If you don't have to make it, don't have to, stay where you are. But I would encourage people to look at it and actually examine it in their business and even just try it with a few certain number of clients and just see what the reaction is. I think you'll be very surprised.
1: Great, great. And Will, yourself, what's what's been the benefit there? Have you seen it come through in your practice in any shape or form?
3: We have, and it and it's been it's been very positive and, and encouraging, and things start happening. Like um, emails come in, and here's two colleagues I'd like you to meet. Thanks for doing such a great job for for us, and that's been that's been very effective and and, and happening more consistently. That's good, and, and Brad yourself,
1: um, business people talk
2: to each other, and they if they can recommend somebody or a colleague that they've already trusted, they know how the process works, we have definitely got people coming to talk to us along that basis. So the other component too is a fee-for-service business is a more valuable asset. The value of the business itself, because you have identified processes and values, proven recurring income actually increases the asset value or the multiple that your business is actually worth for our ultimate succession plan, when you're bringing on um, younger advisors or when the business is sold ultimately. So there's another basis for the business there as well on the fee-for-service.
0: Just to add as well, what happened in the UK was that a lot of people, we also had to sit exams to get through higher qualifications if you hadn't already got them. So that actually cut out quite a few advisors that didn't want to go through that process. On top of that, a lot of the banks that we have in the UK got rid of their entire advisor force. So from that point of view, more referrals we're asking the question of, we had lots of people that I would probably call lost souls. People coming in saying, I've been to see the bank, I've got all these policies, they're not doing it anymore, can you help? So the business that we got as a result of the regulation, by default, increased just because other people weren't in that space anymore because they decided they didn't want to be. So our market share increased. That's great. I think um, that change, um, legislative change, has been an opportunity,
1: obviously, David, for for yourself, and the opportunity of being a fee-based practice in the United States. um, uh, Will, do you promote your practice as a standout? Do you use it in your marketing as a, I suppose, differential in the marketplace? Is that something that you do?
3: We do. And one of the things we've been talking about for a few years, and it's become a hot topic here in the US, is that we take on a fiduciary standard of, of care, particularly on the the planning and the investment management side, and first I would think, well, people don't know what that means, or they don't think about it, but they they're now asking us, do you take on the fiduciary standard because of what's happening in the press? So, so it is an advantage, and it is something that we talk about in in the different pieces that we put out there because we're we're essentially saying that here's some things that are being discussed, and we're we're already doing these things. That's great, and and David, although it was.
1: Uh promoted um, through the media and everything else, do you use that as, as your basis
0: there? It's, it's a very, very strong thing to talk to clients about and say, this is how we work, we are fee-based. And you can almost visibly see some of their shoulders relax It's like oh, thank goodness for that. Somebody who's gonna do it like that because they're frightened of commissions, they're frightened of talking to an advisor, and it's a big step for a client to actually pick up the phone and say, hello, my name's this, I'd like some financial advice. But then when you start talking to them and explain how you work and you're just explaining honesty, transparency, we work on fees, they're not looking for the hidden problem because there isn't one. There's nothing for them to find. You can't be any more open than saying this is what we're going to do and this is what we're going to charge you. So you are far more referable simply by default. Commission
2: has become a fairly dirty word in the Australian media. The media has pushed it and pushed it and pushed it. When a client comes to you and you explain the structure what they actually are receiving for the payment. Dave is right. It is actually a much more relaxed conversation because they know you are acting in their absolute best
1: interests. That's excellent. One of the points that I, I, I was thinking that um, referrals and we all have our centres of influences that we use um, and some of us deal with attorneys, lawyers, accountants, general insurance brokers, other professionals that we all work with. How they found that change when they're referring clients, what's the feedback that you have got from them um, with that change because traditionally your solicitors and lawyers and accountants have been fee-based i'll throw that to you david if that's all right
0: there really hasn't been any specific feedback at all but they've just accepted it Uh, that in their world is normal and we are just joining them so if anything it makes the conversation perhaps with attorneys and solicitors and legal people who work in that scene anyway a lot easier because now we're on the same page as them we're not the commission people anymore. We charge fees for professional services. So do you. Let's have a conversation. It's a lot easier.
1: In their eyes and in the community, it may have raised your professionalism in that light.
0: Oh, absolutely raised my professionalism. And also with the extra studying and things that people have all done, I went on to do extra exams beyond what I needed to just for sport. And what it's ended up being, I'm now a pensions expert that I never would have been before. As a result of that, the conversations I'm having with clients are far easier than what they were before. We're doing a lot more technical work than we ever would have done before. Were it not for this change, I would not have been as professional as I am now, without a shadow of a doubt.
1: Fantastic. We'll, um, I'll throw the same question to yourself, is how does the other professionals view and in the marketplace on that line?
3: I would, I would agree. I mean, what it's felt like to me as I was listening to everybody is it is it feels like they view the business as more legitimate. And the the other thought that occurred to me is if people are are thinking about something, the elephant in the room was always, how do you get paid? And not addressing it doesn't make it better. There are people that will become clients without knowing how we get paid, but that doesn't mean they're becoming clients and liking it. They would rather have that discussion. So it's like anything else. If there's something that we think about saying and don't say, that's a missed opportunity because they're gonna talk about it when they're not there. They might say, hey, I wonder how Will gets compensated. Um, So it's much better to have that discussion and with the other advisors, it's led to more opportunities and oh, I didn't know you guys operated that way, that's great, I've got a couple of things that I think we would uh, send your way now that I know that.
1: That's tremendous. And, and, and Brad, from a, um, an Australian perspective, and um, it's a pretty hot topic, how's it gone with your practice and across the board? Well, we have
2: mutual referral relationships with estate planning lawyers and accountants. I guess in Australia, there's a bit of an us and them attitude with some accountants, but if the lawyers and the accountants are on a professional fee model, our centres of influence and our referrers are actually very, very comfortable that they are on the same standard as they are now. And it does dilute that whole negative persona that you're reading about in the media. And then that means I think the accountants and the other advisors are a lot more comfortable to refer their clients to you.
1: That's fantastic. And one point that I'd probably like to make is if someone's sitting here listening and they're thinking, I wanna to move to a fee-based arrangement, what's maybe two nuggets, two pieces of advice that you would give them in respect to making that transition if they wanted to do that? And I'll start with yourself if that's okay, David.
0: I would say don't fear change. We don't like as advisors change, people don't like change, but don't be afraid of it, deal with it head on. But also take a good long hard look at your business. From my personal point of view, I was running along at Court of the Table. When we changed to fee-based advice, which was the most scary time ever, we wrote far more business than we ever have done. And I qualified for top of the table for the first time. So I'm not saying I'm great at what I do, but I'm just saying the potential is there for other people to do the same if they're thinking about doing this. So don't worry. Embrace the change and start as soon as you can and preferably before you're forced to do so. That's tremendous, David. It obviously was a great opportunity hidden under a bit of a mask,
1: I suppose, you know.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I never saw that coming. um, Because I was thinking, a lot of people listening to this now are thinking, yes, but I don't like change. I'm really, really scared. You don't know what it's like to be me. I've been there. I absolutely have been there. I was forced to make this change. And I didn't want to do it. I really didn't. But now I'm out the other side. It's like going from watching everything in black and white to being in colour now. And it is a whole new world out there that I'm so grateful to the regulator for, which is not something you hear a lot of advisors saying, That's but bad. I really I really am. It wasn't for them. I wouldn't be in the place that I am now. I wouldn't be as professional. I wouldn't be as highly regarded by my clients anymore. And I certainly wouldn't be top of the table. That's excellent. That's
1: excellent. Will, uh, from your perspective, um, you've got someone sitting out there and, and they've got that well, I want to move, but but gee, how do I do it? And um, maybe some tools that you've used. Um, Dave outlined what he used some collateral there. Is there anything, any tools that you'd suggest that um, that they would do?
3: Well, a quick comment on the mentality of it. One of the one of the best things I've learned at MDRT ever over the years is that change is inevitable. You can either create it or have it be created for you. So, if we create the change, that's much more positive as an outcome and The other thought that's occurring to me is anytime there's an opportunity for growth, it must feel scary. It always does. Whether it's hiring someone, whether it's learning something new, working in a new market, growth feels scary. If it doesn't feel scary, if there's not any uncertainty, that means we're not doing anything different. That means we're not only are we not moving forward, we're actually moving backwards. We just don't know it. So we have to embrace that that fear and know that that's what growth feels like and and i would say as far as tools listening to people that have that have made changes having conversations we all are aware of people that we know other members here at mdrt those in this room and others that can can share what what david just said i've been there i'm glad i did it and i'm better for it and i think that that's been the case for for all of us in in the room here and in hundreds if not thousands of others Right?
2: How about um, Concur completely. The hardest part after the force to change was the mindset. And it's getting comfortable in your own mind and being able to articulate what you do for your clients initially is probably the most scary thing because it makes you take a look at yourself and go, well, what are we doing and what are we getting paid for? So once you can clearly outline that to the client, the process then will, fall into line. And the first year we were scrambling around a bit because the legislation wasn't clear and we were racing to comply with a deadline. But the benefit of it, it forced us to take a step back, take a look at the whole business, look at your business model and re-engineer parts of it that needed some work. And I don't know if we would have done that without the impetus of change forced on us. So a little bit of uncertainty, a little bit of fear actually motivates you to do the right thing. In terms of the tools, when this thing comes in, and Australia and the UK has had it, there is a mountain of material from your broker-dealer groups, um, your professional associations, and MDRT is making an extreme effort to try to get this out to the members, read everything, understand it, question it, and then filter those components out to what your is most applicable to your business.
1: That's brilliant, Brad. I'll just end off on the final point, I suppose. Um, I'll start with yourself, Will, if that's okay. Um, are you better off? I mean, it's probably a rhetorical question. Are you better off because you made the change?
3: Absolutely, yes. No no question about that. And and making changes in general, the, the business continues to change. Our lives continue to change. And as we embrace things and, and know that one thing that will be constant is that things will keep changing, that's that's just what happens. So that the, to the extent that we can learn and grow from it. We're, we're always going to be better off from, from this change and countless others that we'll experience.
1: All right, that's all for us today. Keep an eye out for the September-October issue of Round the Table magazine for more tips on how to incorporate fees into your practice. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.